Hi, Hi, I'm Elliot. I'm Etta. Here's what's happening at Shores. VBS this week. We're so excited. See you tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. The youth group is going to Michigan's Adventure in Cedar Point. Today's the last day to sign up. Don't miss it. The small group kickoff party September 7th. Mark your calendars and don't miss it. That's, That's it for today. Goodbye. Why when you put kids on a screen, people listen better? Why is that? You're going to listen to me a little? you going to listen to me a little? Okay, if you're, if you're wondering why our stage looks the way it does, it's, we're prepared and set up. Not maybe entirely, but getting there, prepared and set up for VBS this coming week. And I think there's going to be like a Southwest theme. I think that's the point. You know where my eyes fixate on immediately? Not the grandeur of the mountains, but the ATV right over there. You see that? <laughs> that guy's having fun. I mean, like, I want to try that out. Tear, tear it up, right? I mean, that's kind of where my mind goes immediately. Hey, if you have kids, if you have, or you have neighbor kids, or you have grandkids, or you know of kids, please just tell them to show up tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We provide dinner, and then they free babysitting for two and a half hours. Just kidding. But it's a, but it's, it's a gospel-focused time. I mean, we're going to be presenting the gospel to these children, and as a as a pastor who gets into a lot of people's homes and hear a lot of people's salvation stories, it's incredible how many people's lives changed because of camp or VBS or backyard clubs or things like that. It, it, it's a transformative thing in a child's life. So we'll pray for them this week. Amen. Pray for them. If you're, if you're scheduled to help, please show up. Uh, that's, for, that's for Megan. And... And, of course, invite. If you know of a child, let's invite them. And I guess there is some type of contest going on, and I'm going to be made into a human Sunday if, if everything goes right for the girls. If the, if the guys take it, then Megan gets it. So I think that'd be hilarious because I'm a quick clean, right? See the shiny up here? This just nothing sticks up here like Teflon, right? It's just going to... Just roll right off, but poor Megan has a lot of hair. That's funny. I hope she gets it. She gets it all. But it's, it's going to be fun, and I'm just trying to, let's, let's support this. Let's really get people to come out. There's already a group, good group of kids, but let's see if we can get a few more. Okay. The words of Jesus Christ are powerful and true. Right? Amen. The words of Jesus Christ are powerful and true. They, they lay open our hearts, and they show us the perfect will of God. They show us God's character, what God cares about, His righteousness. And when we come face to face with the words of Jesus, it levels us, doesn't it? It causes us to go, whoa, 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 Jesus wants this? This is what He's asking of us? But I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm not going to avoid it. Actually, I just want to chase more after Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to hunger and thirst for His righteousness. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their what? 
the heart. The heart. That's what Jesus cares about. And as we've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he doesn't want the appearances. He doesn't want you just following the letter of the law. He's after your heart. What is unseen. What's behind the scenes. Because you could be doing all the right things, but if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, it doesn't mean anything. So you have to have a right heart. That's what he cares about, a heart. So we've been doing a lot of inward work as we've been reading through these three very important chapters. Jesus has been just like beating on my heart. I, I tell you, I get done with some of these messages or studying all week. I feel like I've went a few rounds with Mike Tyson. Like he's in there just run a speed bag on my heart. Like, you've got to make changes, Nate. Okay, all right, I get it. Whew, I get it. And then, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, it, it, we, we're reminded that it's not just an inward change that Jesus is looking for, but he also wants us to be salt and light. We need to be the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, just to remind you of this, he says, you are, a, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as we're seeing inward change, we also need to have outward proclamation of truth. Because we need light in this dark and wicked world. We do. We need someone confronting progressive Christianity and a weak reading of the, the Word of God. Someone has to say something, right? We need more truth, not less truth. And we need the gospel, the gospel presented. People need to hear the gospel that this world is broken and any attempt at fixing this world doesn't work. Chase after anything is going to leave you dry and empty. Broken cisterns, the water's going to run right through it. But God gives us a door out through the person of Jesus Christ. Where, where through Jesus, his, his death on the cross and resurrection, that, that changes things. He takes the punishment. He takes all of our wickedness on himself. And now we can experience forgiveness. That's the gospel. We're redeemed, we're restored, and now we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in victory. You can be victorious. You can live in victory because of the gospel. Now, that message cannot be put on the back burner. It has to be spoken, heralded. People need to hear it. People need to hear truth. Our world needs more truth, not less truth. More gospel, not less gospel. Not shy, timid Christianity. We need to be bold like lions. Just speaking it. Unapologetically. Jesus is after the heart of his followers. And then he's saying, from right hearts, we can speak truth in a dark world. And that's our job. That's what we're challenged to. Can we just... For a moment here, if you call yourself a Christian, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to speak the name of Jesus to the people around you. 
They're going to hear about Jesus from you. We can't shy away from that. Okay. With that being said, let's look at the passage that we're going to be reading this morning, Matthew chapter 7. That's got to set up what we're going to be reading and studying. Matthew chapter 7. If you have a Bible, please take it out, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we provide one for you. It's in the chair in front of you. And I've given you the page number so you can get there quickly. Everyone can read along. Pull out your device, turn it on. Let's all read the words of Jesus Christ together. The words of Jesus are powerful and true. They're powerful and true. Okay, while you're turning there, I, I want to I ask. The world needs more truth, not less truth. More gospel, not less gospel. But how do we do that well? How do we speak truth well? Because let, let's just talk about life. Do you know somebody that you need to speak truth to right now? Do you know a person, whether it's your spouse or your child or your coworker, or whether it's a family member or whether it's just, you just have a person that the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart and you have to speak truth to. If you really love that person, you want them to hear it. You want them to actually hear that truth and respond well. So, so okay, so how do we communicate? How do we talk to people about truth? Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you, the whole time, have a big old plank in your eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be, see, be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will be given a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, he's summing it all up now in verse 12. This, this, this right here, if we could just live this verse out, Every day, imagine what would happen to our community. What, imagine what would happen in our church, in our homes, in our families. I, if we could just live this verse. So in everything, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Because that sums up the law and the prophets. Treat people the way you would want to be treated. Ah. Okay. Let's talk about this passage. Verse 1 says, do not judge or you'll be judged. How is that verse often used? Stop judging me, man. Have you ever heard that before? You have a difficult conversation with someone and maybe you start confronting a person on something that they, they don't really want to hear or especially hear. And so how do they respond? Stop judging me, man. You're judging me right now. And, and essentially what they're saying is, you can't tell me I'm wrong. 
who are you to say that what I'm doing is wrong? So like, just like, save it. Keep that to yourself. I don't want any of that. Stop judging me. Right? Because Jesus said, don't judge. Another way this passage is, is used is it's used by churches in really, in many places, churches in many places, kind of all over the country. It's used to kind of soften things. Like, like I cannot speak straightforward truth out of the Word of God because if I do, I might offend somebody. And I don't want to offend anyone. I remember before I started working here at, at this church, my wife and I, we were interviewing at different churches. And I started asking the, kind of the, the person who was interviewing us or just really kind of showing us around a different, the church. And, and we were going to be kind of like a campus pastor tied in with this other pastor. And so we had conversations with this person. And I said, hey, so are you guys like, what's your end times approach? Are you... Are you like pre-trib, pre-mill? How do you approach this sort of thing? And he says, well, you know, we don't talk about the end times here. Because, you know, that we, we, we really are just trying to, to catch people and, you know, at, and, and let them find a safe, you know, like a really comfortable place to come to church. And I don't want to really push something at them that might offend them. We don't talk about... Like end times, we don't read the book of Revelation. We don't like there's sections sections of the Bible we don't read. And so then I said, well, what about creation? That that God created this world, and in six days created it. Creation. Well, we don't really get into that debate of evolution and creation in church because we feel like that's off putting to someone who's just checking out church. My wife, we, we had cycled through several, like we're cycling through churches struggling because, well, I knew that I would never last. <laughs> well, I'm not even going to bother. But, but it's kind of like a softening of what we read in the Word of God because we don't want to sound harsh or mean. We don't want to sound judgy. So we avoid certain topics. You know what the end result of that is? We have a lot of spiritually immature Christians. A bunch of very weak babies in the faith because we're not really reading everything that God has to say, which really it causes us to grow up. Keep difficult truth quiet because if you speak strongly, you might sound like you're judging people. You cannot win someone to Christ by coddling the flesh. What you have to do is confront the flesh so that they repent and give their hearts to Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. I think this, this soft Christianity is what's really putting the brakes and holding back the moral reset we need in our community and in our country. This weak Christianity is holding back churches from being vibrant places where the Holy Spirit is just changing hearts and transforming people. It's causing parents, this weak, soft Christianity is causing parents to have kids that don't, they don't have strong convictions. 
And it's not really challenging our hearts. So then what, is Jesus, what does Jesus mean by this passage? Do not judge or you'll be judged. Well, we do know that we can speak against something being right or wrong. We know that. We say, well, well how do you know? Well, look at verse 6. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. Well, he's calling people dogs and pigs. So obviously we can call people out or at least point out something that's wrong or, or say this is right and this is wrong because Jesus does it. Later in the chapter, he talks about false prophets. And he says, you, you know a false prophet by their fruit. So if you just get around a false prophet long enough, you'll see it, which is making a judgment on that person's heart and behavior. True? So are we allowed to make a judgment about a person's behavior and heart? Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 24, stop judging by mere appearances. So it's not, judging's not the problem, it's, it's judging incorrectly. You're working off appearances, but instead, what are we supposed to do? Judge correctly. So can we make a judgment on right and wrong and, and apply that to a person's life? As long as we're doing it correctly. We see in, with John the Baptist, John the Baptist said to Herod, a very pivotal figure at that time, Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, did his wife receive that well? Actually, No. Herodias nursed a grudge against him and eventually had him beheaded. But did that stop John the Baptist from speaking truth? Paul says to Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, have you ever been rebuked before? Ever receive a rebuke? Wow, if you have never been rebuked, the church is in a sorry state. What, 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 shouldn't we all be rebuked at times? Are, are you perfect? No sin. Have you, come, have you accomplished this journey? I, I know my wife is perfect, but me? I'm like, like that building was scaffolding around it for, for seven years. I'm a mess. And at times, people rebuke me, and that's a good thing. But, but is it easy to take a rebuke? When someone is right there telling you truth, and it's, it's a sin that you've been coddling for a long time, you don't want to hear it, do you? But Paul's saying we have to say these things. We have to correct, rebuke, and encourage, but you have to do it the right way. You have to do it with patience and careful instruction. So is there anything wrong with having conversations about right and wrong, speaking truth, and challenging people on their faith? There's nothing wrong with this. It's important that we do. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Gently. And also be careful while you're doing that so you don't fall into the same sin that they're committing. So, Caught in sin sounds like that person's brothers and sisters in Christ have witnessed a person falling into sin 
and they're trying to help them, right, help that person live differently. But that, that requires us seeing that something's right and something's wrong and speaking on it. So, to say that you cannot have difficult conversations with people because of this verse is to completely misread it. So then what is Jesus saying? Well, he's saying that when you talk to a person, you need the right heart while you're doing it. He's going after the heart of followers who speak this truth. So, judging or discerning a behavior as right or wrong is not judgmental if we judge with the right heart. We have the right heart behind it, and that's what he's talking about. So, let's work through some of these thoughts. Superficial judgment is wrong. If you're judging a person merely by appearances and you don't really know the truth of what's happening, that's wrong. We need to get to know the person. Jesus said, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. How many times do people get into the face of somebody else for something they thought that person did, but they didn't really know the whole story? Does that happen a lot? Do you know when I get into counseling settings or when someone wants to come talk to me as a pastor? If they come alone and they want to talk about their spouse, I don't let them. Because they'll sit down and they'll be like, oh, my wife does this, 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 this. And I'm like, whoop, wait, no, wait, because your wife's not here. So I don't really know what's happening in your marriage. I don't because that person's not there for two parties to be talking. So let's just talk about you. What can you do to be a better husband? And then he's like, whoa. But, but she does, but she, she, I don't want to talk about her. I don't. Because I don't really know. She's not here to talk about this. So let's just talk about you. If we, if we could have that level of just, okay, wait, 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 wait. Before I just dive into this conversation, or before I just kind of run forward and just start firing off at people, I'm like, wait. Wait, do I really know what's happening? Do I understand the heart of the person? So that I can have a good redemptive conversation. Hypocritical judgment is also wrong. Hypocritical judgment is also wrong. That's the whole point of the plank versus the sawdust. What Jesus is saying, the person who's finding fault in everyone else, yet has this un... Like, life of unrepented sin in their own heart, well, then they are never in a place to have that conversation with you or with anyone else. He's, he's not saying, so you can never have conversations. What he is saying is, out of radical obedience, get the plank out of your eye. And then you can start helping the people around you. It's his radical obedience he's after. Get that plank out of your eyes so you can have a real conversation. Have you ever heard of the term nose blind? Ever heard of the term nose blind before? Okay, so to be nose blind is to live in a state of stench and you don't even notice it. You're becoming nose blind. Kind of like Muskegon when they had that pulp mill right over here. When Safi was just right over around the corner, you didn't, you, you didn't even notice it after a while. But anyone driving on the freeway was like, whoop, is going on over there. That stinks. That's becoming nose blind. I, I tell you, I think our hearts get that way. We're, we're just blind 
to what's really going on in our life, but yet we could see the problems in everybody else. Amen. That's this person's problem. That's this person's problem. We don't even see our own. Sometimes this happens in marriages where we're so quick to see the spouse's problem, but you don't see your own part in it. Like, point it out, but you don't see it in yourself. That's, that's a hypocritical judgment. And Jesus is saying we don't live like that. And this is for the parents. Parents, if you let that plank exist in your home and don't really address it, it will affect your kids. It will. John Wesley had an excellent quote. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. So if we allow for sin to exist in our home, even if we think, it, oh, it's not a big deal, it's small sin, your kids will, will take that sin and run with it. And the, that's the power that you have as a parent and a leader in your home. Okay, harsh and unforgiving judgment is also wrong. Harsh and unforgiving judgment is also wrong. Titus says, slander no one. Be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle to everyone. And that's really the point of verse 1 and 2. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you're harsh, critical, combative, and at attacking people, not out of a heart of love or kindness, if you have no grace in your approach to someone, is that how you'd want God to treat you? When you have something wrong in your life, would you want God to treat you the same way you're treating that other person? That's the point of that verse. So if you approach a person, you're attacking them, and, and there is, there's no grace, it's not hope-filled at all, it's just you firing off at that person, would you want God to treat that same level of justice towards you? And you might even be right, but there's no grace, so you're just attacking that person Okay, let me say it this way. Jesus never excused sin. Never. Jesus always, always confronted sin where there was sin. But his conversations were hope-filled. Corrective discipline is hope-filled. There's the opportunity to change. What happens a lot of times is we see a pattern of sin and then we label the person. Like if we see a pattern of lying, we go, well, that person's a liar. See? Liar. And then they get the label, liar. Or we see someone gossiping and talking behind people's back, and they're like, gossip. God, that, that, look at that. That person's a gossip. Gossip. And we apply, apply that label, and it belittles and tears down that person. And where's the hope of that person's heart being transformed? See, that, that's a harsh, unforgiving Judging, and, and God doesn't want it. Self-righteous judgment is also wrong. Getting, standing on, in a place of superiority over someone else is also wrong. This is a problem within the church. People get on their high horse. You know, ever heard that before? High horse? They take this place of this loftiness where they, they kind of look down at the people around him. In a very condescending way, is like, look at you. 
so messed up. I would never stoop that low. I hear this so many times. And it breaks my heart every time. Because, because of this reason right here. The only righteousness that I have in my life is because of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? I, I have nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Before Jesus got his hands on me, I was a wicked, self-centered little whatever, right? I, I, the easy way to finish that, but that's what I was. And so I know that there's nothing good. Like I see the old Nate just like hanging around behind me, that flesh. And, and I know what I am apart from Jesus Christ. It's all Jesus that changed me. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all God. So why in the world would I treat someone else like they're beneath me when I'm right there with them? Jesus radically got a hold of me. You know what it is? It's people who don't really appreciate grace. That's the self-righteous people. They don't understand the depths of where they came from, so they don't understand grace. That's why you're self-righteous or whoever that's meant to hear. I know where I came from, and I know where I could easily slide without God. It's all God, not Nate. Jesus said this, to, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. What a jerk. I mean, who would say something like that? We think this, don't we? We might not let the words come out of our mouth, but it's in our head. I'm glad I'm not like him. I'm glad I'm, I'm better than that person. I'm glad I'm not stooping that low. Look at that, look at that. Evildoer, robber, adulteress. Look at this tax collector over there. Hey, you know how much money he's probably taken from people? He's arms and arms of the Roman government. Look at this guy over here. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. I'm a good person. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He couldn't even look at God because he saw the depth of his sin and the depth of his wickedness and the need he had for grace and mercy from God. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus asked the question, I tell you, which one went home justified before God? The one who thought he was justified already because he's a good person or he did everything right? Or the person who really understood who he was before God, poor in spirit, mourning over his sin? For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. How are we approaching people? Are we coming at people from a place of self-righteousness? Or is there a deep level of humility? See, you know where I often go? It's just the Word of God. I say, I found truth in the Word of God. Jesus Christ changed me and saved me. And here's the truth. This is not coming from a guy who is perfect in any way, but from a person who just found truth. And I want to share that. Okay, one, one last thing. Untrue judgment is also wrong. 
Titus says, slander no one. So, you have to really make sure what you're talking about is true. And I would like for us to really stop any even some of the impressions we have of people before we actually know if that impression is true. Because sometimes a person can have a bad day and maybe that first impression was just that person not at his, his or you know his or her best. And so we could just wait wait a second, set aside that like immediate reaction and label for that person and just be like, well, there's probably more to this story. And working really from a place of discipling instead of tearing people down. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Okay, so what do we do? How do we have truth-filled conversations with people? What do we do? We have to live righteous lives. Let's start here. We actually have to practice the commands of Jesus Christ. We need radical obedience. Please don't miss the point of what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you'll be in a place to help your brother take the speck out of their eye. See, radical obedience. Radically following the commands of Jesus Christ because we're hungry and thirsty after righteousness, then we can help people. Next, keep a high measure of honesty and genuineness. So we're going to take the whole superiority out of it and really from a place of grace and a heart that's been transformed by God, I'm going to speak to that person in a very hope-filled way. Honesty and genuineness means that you share your struggles, you share where you're working on, the things you're working on, and then when you have an honest correction or rebuke to someone else, they'll receive it out of a heart of love, right, because they know you actually love them. Corrective conversations are always hope-filled. They build people up, okay? That's the difference, really, between how the Holy Spirit works and how Satan and his demons work. So now listen to me. Satan and his demons are accusing and attacking. What's the difference between Satan the accuser and the Holy Spirit convicting a person over sin? What's the difference between the two? The accuser is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to obliterate the person. Satan wants nothing more than to see everyone's lives fall apart, broken beyond repair, messed up, destroyed. That's what Satan wants. The Holy Spirit is the opposite. The Holy Spirit, when he brings conviction, is that he will then take that person and empower them and build them up in Christ so they can live a different life, a transformed life. Do you see the difference between the two? So when we are having conversations with people, they need to be hope-filled. Building the person up. Hey, here's something that you're struggling with. Here, here it is. Here's the issue. And now, how do you move forward in Christ to live different? That, that's a good conversation. And that's a Holy Spirit-filled conversation. Apply truth. 
and disciple the people who will listen. Who are you discipling right now? Who are you talking to about Jesus? And of course, start with your kids. Disciple them. But then also grab brothers and sisters in Christ who need discipling. And while you're discipling, right, confront truth. Speak truth into their life. They need to hear it. We need to hear it. I need to hear it. But then keep conversations short and to the point with the unresponsive. So I just want to treat verse 6 because it's written in the scriptures. Jesus tells us, be careful around dogs. Don't take pearls and throw it among swine. And essentially what he's saying is there are people who are going to be unresponsive. They're going to be combative. They're going to be angry. They're going to be argumentative. And they're going to take your precious truth and they're going to trample it on the ground. And so Paul, in talking to Titus, says, warn a divisive per- person once, then warn him a second time, and after that, have nothing to do with him. So there is a, a limit to your interaction with a person who is combative and just wants to tear you down and the precious truth you're trying to share them. So, so what Jesus is saying, hey, you need to build some boundaries around some of these hurtful, hateful people. Are you with me? And be careful sharing truth with people who are just going to be constantly in your face tearing it all down, burning it all up. Okay. Finally, pray that God leads you in every conversation. So it's an interesting section here where he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And this is a passage on prayer and how to pray, how to pray appropriately. What I want to do is I want to apply this passage to conversations that you might have with a person that's truth-filled. So like I said kind of at the beginning of my message, I said, is there a person that the Lord has put on your heart that you need to speak the gospel to or you need to share truth with? Do you have a person? This is where I always wonder, like, are you listening? Are you, are you listening? Like, is there a person that you have on your heart that needs to hear truth? Okay, you got, you got a face? You got a name? Something? Okay. Here's what I'm asking. Following the pattern seen here in the scriptures, why don't we ask God for clarity in proper words? Let's start there. Let's say, God, how do I approach this Right? Can I have clarity in how this conversation ought to go? Because I don't want to be Nate just like firing from the hip like some gunslinger, right? Bam, 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 bam. Blowing people. Don't give me that look. You know, it's always a very humble look when you use some silly illustration and your wife looks at you in the front row and is like, nope. You look like an idiot right now, Nate. Just stop. 24 years tomorrow. We've been married. Yeah. I've been training her for 24 years. She's almost there. So close. <laughs> it's so not true. It's almost like laughably not true. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to move on from that. 
So, so, all right. As you know, I have my, I'll be sleeping here this week. The tent's right over there. That's funny. Okay, ask God, ask God for clarity and the proper words. I mean, the point is, is before you launch into a conversation with somebody, you are truly seeking God in that conversation. So you, you have the right mindset on how to approach that. Then seek God's leading in the proper approach. So if you're asking God, God, help me in this conversation, then you're aware of how the conversation needs to play out because you're seeking his leading throughout the whole thing. You know how many times I get into a conversation and I'm just waiting on the Lord to help me through it? Like It's just like, as I walk through this conversation, it doesn't want to be Nate's words. It has to be what the Spirit is just, just saturated to, to be said. So you're just kind of waiting as the Spirit moves you through the conversation, seeking His leading. And then we knock. We take the opportunities that God gives us from pure hearts. Right now, I, I don't know... Okay. I don't know how we're taking this, this word. I'm concerned. Do you want to hear my concern? Want to hear my concern? Yeah. I'm concerned that because of the cultural message of hyper-tolerance, that Christians are so weak they won't speak truth anymore. I'm concerned that my children and younger generations are, are afraid to say something that might cause a disagreement. Because they just want to make everybody happy. And this thing called expressive individualism, I don't know if you ever heard it said like that, it's, it's taken root so deep in our country that we ask the question, well, who am I to say what someone else is doing is wrong? Can I remind you of something? It's not you saying it. The truth of God's word is saying that that's wrong. You hear me? It's not you saying it. It's not your opinion. It's not what you dreamed up. It's the truth of God's word that says that's wrong. And we need to say it. We need to. If we have to do it right, with right hearts, that's what Jesus is telling us in this passage. So, if we're going to have right hearts to have these conversations... I want to pray for that, and then I want us to sing a song that puts our hearts in the right place, okay? Let's pray, and then we're going to, then we're going to sing. Father, we know that we need to have right hearts if we're going to have gospel-filled, truth-filled conversations. We know our world needs to hear it. We see the darkness that's around us everywhere, so Father, please convict, empower, challenge us to speak. Take the plank out of our eyes, treat others as we would want to be treated, and then herald your truth. I pray that every person here can have that gospel conversation with someone this week, that they can share the good news of Jesus Christ, and that we do not have to stay trapped in our sins, but there is redemption. And that we can have a new life. I, 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 know, we can, I know this, Jesus. I've lived it. 
I pray that we can share that hope to the people around us from right hearts. So help us. Give us right hearts. Empower us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand with us? truth this week. Hey, we, I wanted to take a moment. Jenny Shepherd Kelly, can you come on up here for a second? So Jenny is running, she's a part of our church, regular tenor of our church. She's running for county commissioner for Ottawa County. And I, as a church family, we've never really had a chance to pray for her in this endeavor. And I was hoping that we could pray for you now. Is that all right? So this is Jenny. She's running for county commissioner. And I just want to pray for her 
as she is just stepping into some civil servant responsibilities. That's never easy, is it? Okay, so let's pray for her as we're going to be, oh, quickly, we have a prayer team that meets up front. We have prayer cards in the chair in front of us. We have prayer meeting tonight. We're going to pray for VBS and for Jenny. Father, we just pray for Jenny as she is stepping out into a very difficult, difficult job. We pray that she can have her heart in a place that just allows for her to speak and herald truth. That she will not be a, a person who sways with the winds but has convictions and she will stand by those convictions as we know she does. And we pray that she can have the strength to, to make it through a very, times very difficult season, very difficult task. Pray that your Holy Spirit can empower and strengthen her. Pray that you may bless her. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, Jenny. All right. Yes, of course. Love you guys. Love you more than you know.